Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Chase Field in Arizona. It's the Cleveland Guardians 12, the Arizona Diamondbacks 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I'm still on the road, but I still want to talk baseball. And, you know, the episode's going up a little late. I was 6.30 a.m. I was ready to record this episode, and so was my son. He was also ready to be awake, so... Uh, after doing the dad thing, we've got a clean diaper on, breakfast is being served, and we are ready to finally talk baseball. So I apologize up for being up a little bit late, but hey, here we are. So let's get into the top storylines of the game, and we got to go to the email first because Jeff in Palo Alto, I knew Jeff with a J was going to email in. He said one day off, and Jeff, I absolutely was thinking of you. Uh, as this game was going down because he was talking about extra base hits and getting on base and rallies and that's exactly what we got in this game this was the game that Jeff was describing now of course it's the extreme example of that you're not going to score 12 runs you know every day you're not going to put up how many hits they have 16 17 hits in this 16 hits in this one like okay we we all know that's not going to happen every day but when everything's going right and when this style of baseball is going right, this is what uh, it looks like. And uh, Jeff said, hi, Davey. Should have held the email back a day, huh? Yikes. Anyway, 20 base runners today, nearly 180 pitches seen, five extra base hits, forcing a position player to pitch, and 12 big runs without the long ball. I think it's fair, though, to say that no particular game proves anything one way or the other. Absolutely, Jeff. Uh, here's hoping Bo contributes patience and power to the lineup from here on out. Take care, Jeff and Palo Alto. So, yeah, Jeff. Uh, you know, you, you're on. You're you're definitely on the right track, and it's definitely the way the Guardians should be playing. Uh, and the thing about this game, when you put up this many hits, when it's a 12-run game, it's actually almost difficult to break it down, right? Because everything was going right. It it didn't matter where the pitches were located. We were smacking extra base hits. Um, so we're going to get into some things here. But I, I frankly don't have that much detailed analysis when they're just bashing hits all over the field. When everybody in the lineup is red hot and coming through. Uh, so, yeah, we got... Uh, if you didn't have multiple hits, maybe you had multiple RBIs or multiple runs scored like Stephen Kwan, who somehow only had one hit. Remember, he reaches on a fielding error to start the game. He has the triple up the alley in right center field that scores two. But with one hit, he's able to manage uh, four runs and three RBIs. Talk about being productive on the base pass without actually uh, you know, getting a hit. That's That's really... I was almost shocked looking at this box score going, how did he actually do this? Like, how do you accomplish four runs scored with only one hit and no walks? Remember, he reaches, uh, you know, there's a there's a situation where it's runners on first and third, and he chops one up the middle. They get the out at second, so the force out at second. The run comes in to score. He's safe at first. So, uh, you know, it's things like that uh, where he's able to make it work. Uh, I'm in Rosario with a multi-hit game. Jose Ramirez actually uh, might have been the quietest guy on the entire offense. He has the triple in the first inning, and uh, that's really in scores, uh, I believe, on a nailer hit. Uh, but that's it. That's the only thing he actually contributes to the offense. Um, yes, Naylor would double and bring him in also into the right field corner. 
so yeah, so uh, we kind of did this without Jose Ramirez being red hot. That was the only hard hit ball he had all day. The Naylor is the big bat in the middle of the lineup that drives this thing, right? Uh, four hits on the day for him, three RBIs and a run scored. Uh, his bat, four hard hit balls also, like his bat in the middle of the lineup. When it's, man, when Naylor's on, this lineup has such different punch, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, anytime you have your cleanup hitter uh, actually locked in and driving in runs, even without the home run, it's not about the home runs. It, the hard hit balls is what's a, what really gets Josh Naylor going. Like, give me a bunch of Josh Naylor 95 plus mile per hour line drives. I'll take that all day. Uh, Jimenez with two RBIs. Freeman with two hits. An RBI and a run. Brennan with two hits in the seven hole. But Freeman, Freeman sits on the bench for how long? And then comes in and has multi-hit games. There was a quote from Freeman in the post-game article. It wasn't Mandy Bell. She wasn't covering this weekend. Uh, who took over? Got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, it was Jesus Cano. Uh, who took over the beat probably for this series or maybe the road trip. Uh, but he had a quote in here from Andres Jimenez who said that Jose Ramirez talked to him before the game. And I, oh God, I guess I should just pull up the actual quote. It was something like stay ready, like just, you know, uh, basically telling him to, uh, you know, be prepared. I had a conversation with Jose Ramirez too, Freeman said. He's been a huge part of this for me. He's like, hey, stay ready. You never know what's going to happen. And just like, just training, and then uh, Freeman went on to said, just training like I'm in the lineup every day. So, I mean, that's that's one of the untangible things about Jose Ramirez that we don't get to see very often. We don't get to see his interactions with the rest of the players in the clubhouse, you know, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, It's interesting because, you know, when he does the postgame interview, you know, they have the team translator there uh, and Andre, you know, kind of does the interview through the team translator. But you do see him interacting with these guys in the dugout. So, you know, as much as the language barrier uh, does does keep a language barrier between us, the fans and players like Jose Ramirez and Ahmed Rosario, uh, not that anyone's at fault. <laughs> Learning a second language is very, very difficult, uh, maybe almost as difficult as hitting a baseball. and. Uh, so, you know, no fault to anybody there, but it is cool to see that the interactions take place in the clubhouse, you know, despite any kind of language barriers or cultural barriers or stuff like that. Like the fact that Jose Ramirez and Freeman can, you know, have a connection and he can take some mentorship from Jose Ramirez is really awesome. And I don't know how I, I don't have a good idea for it. And it's the front office's fault a little bit, but I want to see Tyler Freeman in this lineup more often. I don't know. Uh, clearly, he hasn't right. He hasn't played the outfield. I don't think this season. They talked about him and Arias taking balls out in the outfield during spring training. Arias obviously has made it to the point where they trust him to play a little bit of right field. Freeman, I don't think we've seen out there yet. So it's still second, short, and third base where Freeman has got to get at bats, and those positions are still booked by uh, veteran. Well, I guess Jimenez has been up in the major leagues for a while. So we'll just say veteran players uh, ahead of him. So I don't know how, you know, Ramirez DHing is one way. Uh, there's no reason Rosario and Jimenez can't take a DH day just to get Freeman more at bats. Cause the, to come off the bench is, you know, as long as it's been since he last played a game and have a multi-hit game, have an RBI, have a run scored. I, 
It's impressive. He's a 292 hitter with a 710 OPS. You feel like that would earn you uh, a few more places in the lineup. Well, Brennan with a multi-hit game. Bo Naylor. I We buried the lead here. Bo Naylor's first major league start at catcher. He still doesn't have his first major league hit. He struck out twice, does draw a walk, and scores a run in one of the rallies here. Uh, so we're all waiting. Be patient. Don't overreact. I mean, this guy could go. It could take him a week or two. But I guarantee you it's going to be worth it. When he puts that first one out, when he has his first multi-hit game, it's going to be worth it. Uh, you'll be glad you waited. Uh, and Miles Straw, man, from the nine hole. And this, this really helps a rally. Two hits and two walks. When your nine hitter is on base four times, now he only comes in to score once, which is surprising. That's actually surprising to me. Um, so your nine hitter getting on base four times, that's only going to mean good things for your lineup, right? Like that's that really, that's a real key to success on the offensive side of the ball, to be able to turn the lineup over and keep a rally going. Uh, and so, you know, Quan comes up. I think Quan's triple is one of the things that drives in uh, Miles Straw to score. So they are able to turn the lineup over like that. So, you know, I was trying to go through the illustrator and and find some things that we could latch onto as to uh, what was happening here. And just looking at the pitch types and the pitch locations of where these base hits come from. And, uh, and there's actually more to it. It's hard because I can't, there's no way for me to quantify in the illustrator everything I kind of want to see because there are balls that are put in play that aren't hits, right? The things from Quan, the, the fielder's choice that Quan hit or the sack fly that Ahmed Rosario hit that are also interesting locations. Uh, so let's just go with that. Instead of the hits, let's just go with that. Let's go with the uh, in play, no out, and let's go with the in play run scored. So that'll show us those sack flies and things like that. So uh, going over here to the uh, batter's view, Quan, everything was away. Uh, I believe the hit he got was that curveball. Uh, it was a curveball down at the knees, but everything was down and away. And a lot of the things the Guardians hit on the day uh, were pitches that were down. Nobody was really going up to the top of the zone. Uh, so Quan uh, takes a forcing fastball off the plate. And a sinker off the plate and is able to drive in runs via those. So probably that fielder's choice um, and probably that error in the first inning, uh, you know, would be an in-play, no-out uh, situation. So uh, three different kinds of pitches, but a lot of four-seams, uh, fastballs, and sinkers. I'm in Rosario, the three things he put in play, including the sack fly, including his hits, all coming via sinkers, middle of the plate, and middle, middle, and middle down. Uh, so staying on the plate, staying in the strike zone for Ahmed Rosario, which is a good sign to not see him chasing pitches away uh, off the plate. Uh, Gabriel Arias, the one he put in play off the uh, position player, they call it an EFIS pitch because it was so slow. Uh, Jose Ramirez's uh, triple comes on a changeup down and away. Uh, Josh Naylor, all four of his hits come on four different pitches, a changeup below the knees, a sinker below the knees, a curveball middle-middle, and a cutter middle in, but everything is at the belt or below. Uh, so the Guardians did a good job in this day of going after that low stuff. Andres Jimenez's uh, triple that he hits, uh, that he put off the right field wall, the right fielder did bury himself in the wall. That was from a pitch up and in. That was from a four-seam fastball up and in that he turns on 
Jimenez and Naylor are both really good at turning on inside pitches. Uh, Tyler Freeman, both of the things he hit were breaking balls at the knees. One was a slider on the inside. One was a curveball away. Uh, Brennan's two pitches were at the belt and away. A changeup off the plate and a sinker kind of middle-middle. And Miles Straw uh, goes after a fastball and a two-seam sinker. So basically both fastballs up and away. Uh, His are kind of at the belly. Uh, out over the plate, things that you could, you know, stay up straight and just, you know, shoot line drives back up the middle with. So uh, that's it. Those were the Guardians hits. So Jimenez is, is like literally the only one that's above the belly. That's up at the letters. Jimenez is the only one who gets a hit off something up there. Everything else, the pitchers were keeping it down for Arizona and Cleveland was going down and driving line drives. If we go to the, uh, if we go to the radial, and just uh, take a look at everything that the Guardians hit uh, as a team, uh, we could see that, yeah, a ton, a ton of line drives. Uh, they really, really did a good job of sticking in the, uh, in that, like, you know, 20, 10 to 20 degree range uh, with a lot of their shots. So many of those singles are right there in that 10 to 20 degree range. Uh, the doubles are in there. Uh, the triples, one triple, uh, got way up there at a decent launch angle. Let's see if it'll tell me who that was. That was Andres Jimenez's, uh, that was at a 32 degree launch angle, but everything else is kind of, kind of down there, uh, kind of at a nice line drive. So you can see the kind of swings the guardians were taking yesterday. Uh, the last thing I wanted to look at was on the illustrator tab was the uh, spray chart. And it, they just really seemed like they were abusing either right field or right up the middle. So, so many of these. Andres Jimenez's uh, triple, you know, off the wall in right field. Uh, Jose Ramirez's triple down into the corner. I, okay, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing I was thinking about during this game. You know, we talked about last game, right? Ramirez hits one and Christian Walker nabs it at first base. And it didn't have a high expected batting average, but it was still a good defensive play from Walker. The bat bip wasn't there earlier in the series, right? The batting average balls in play. They were hitting them, just hitting them right at people or good defensive plays from their infielders. It was the opposite in this game, right? Everything was dropping in. And uh, Ramirez's triple down to the right field corner is the perfect example of this because Literally the day before, Christian Walker makes that play. It gets Ramirez out. And this time, Ramirez gets it past him, drives in a run, scores himself on the next play. You know, so a difference a day can make. So two doubles down into that right field corner as well, and a bunch of singles, and then a bunch of stuff back up the middle. They barely hit the ball to the left side. Barely. Even some of their outs are either up the middle or to the right side. So clearly the approach today was that. Uh, all right, on the pitching side of things, because we got to go over there and talk a little bit of pitching. First, Zach Davies, uh, he's, he hasn't had the best season for Arizona. Um, you know, looking at his uh, looking at his game logs, uh, Zach Davies, who was the you know, former pitcher for Milwaukee, he's bounced around to San Diego, Chicago, now two seasons in Arizona. Looking at his game logs, he, he was clearly out for some time dealing with an injury in April and May. Comes back on May 27th, and he's had five starts in a row, and it hasn't gone too well. He hasn't lasted very deep 
uh, in many games. He has one good game against the Washington Nationals, which they're not a very great team, where he goes six and two-thirds. He's up five hits, two runs, one walk, and eight strikeouts. But really, that's the only game, the only game so far this season that he really is going to be proud of. Uh, he only lasts three innings against the Phillies in his last start, and he only lasts three and two-thirds against us. Nine hits, nine runs, eight earned, uh, a walk, and two strikeouts. So easily his worst start of the season as far as runs given up go. He also, yeah, and as far as hits go, uh, his absolute worst start of the season. But not a season that's going very well for Zach Davies. Uh, a lot of blue dots on his uh, baseball savant page for the uh, percentile rankings, which we know blue dots are not good. Uh so he gets beat around in this one pretty bad. Uh, gives up a ton of hard hit balls. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven hard hit balls on seventy-four pitches. On the other side of things, Tanner Bybee. Uh, you know, I heard, I saw a little bit of complaining on Guardians Twitter. Uh, but he he pitches okay. If it wasn't for Christian Walker, who goes two for three off him uh, with a home run uh, and a was a home run and a double, drives in all three runs for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So if it wasn't for Christian Walker in this lineup, uh, Bybee would have been having a better day. And frankly, can't blame him because Christian Walker has been doing this to pretty much anyone in a Guardians uniform, in a Cleveland uniform, standing you know, opposite him. Uh, but still, five innings pitched. He makes it through five. Does give up seven hits, three earned runs, three walks, which you know, a little bit high, six strikeouts, and the home run given up. But it was a solo home run, so it doesn't hurt too much. 105 pitches, though. To get through five innings is a lot. Gives up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight hard hit balls. Remember, 95 plus mile per hour exit velocity qualifies for those hard hit balls. So uh, going over to the um, going over to the player breakdown just to see what was going on with Bybee. He threw that four seam fastball a ton, 50% of the time. Uh, and then so 52 four seam fastballs, 25 changeups, 20 sliders, mostly uses the changeup and curveball to lefties, will mix uh, mostly slider and a few changeups in with the uh, right-handed batters. Uh, and it was the changeup and the fastball, the only pitches that got him whiffs. Shockingly, the slider didn't get him any whiffs on the day. Uh, and four called strikes, it's a really low CSW on that slider. And that is surprising to me because his slider for the season if you look at his season numbers, has a really high whiff rate. Uh, usually that slider's coming in at a 30.9% whiff rate. The curveball is his best pitch at 41.7% whiff rate. Fastball only has a 15.1% whiff rate. Doesn't have a high put-away rate at only 147 uh, They do have a pretty good batting average, a 280 batting average off his four-seam fastball. Uh, slugging 398, but an expected slugging of 477. So uh, fastball, still maybe a work in progress, a pitch that's a, a little bit too hittable. Uh, but the slider and changeup have still been very good. So it was surprising to see the slider on this day not have a high whiff rate. And he threw it in the strike zone plenty. Uh, so maybe that was a problem. Maybe he just didn't get them to extend the strike zone enough. Uh, there's not much uh, out of the zone. Yeah, only a 25% O swing percentage. So on pitches out of the strike zone, they only offered at him 25% of the time. And they had 100% contact rate on that. So, uh, yeah, the slider wasn't uh, doing what it normally does for Bybee. But he makes it work with the changeup. Uh, you know, there's a decent amount of lefties in the lineup 
for Arizona. So he makes it work with the changeup. Five whiffs on that, a 42% whiff rate on the changeup, which is in line with his season average. So, you know, he does his job. And, hey, when the offense is giving you that much uh, run support, they score all 12 of those runs while he's out there on the mound. So when you're getting that much run support, uh, you just keep throwing the ball over the plate and getting through that lineup. And uh, that's what he did on this day. And, again, if it wasn't for Christian Walker, it actually looks like a pretty good day for Tanner Bybee. Uh, Eli Morgan, Tim Heron back, uh, and then Daniel Norris, uh, I believe making his first appearance in Cleveland, the longtime Tiger, uh, cleans up the last two innings. So it was just mop-up duty at that point for the bullpen. I mean, it was funny, the uh, condensed game literally doesn't even bother. After Christian Walker's two RBI double in the bottom of the fifth, they literally cut to the last out of the game because the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, nothing happens in this thing. Everyone's ready to go home. Uh, I I didn't even talk about the fact that the lights went out. I, and what's There's no story there, right? The, it, technical difficulties, the lights went out, half the lights went out in the stadium. I mean, there's no real story. It was annoying. It was a moment. There's no, there's nothing to really talk about there. Uh, just a weird moment uh, with one of these dome stadiums. So probably not the series the Guardians wanted, probably not the road trip the Guardians wanted going out west, you know, uh, losing the series to San Diego, then losing the series to Arizona. But uh, there are still signs of life uh, to this team. And uh, we're going to talk one more email here. Marlon emailed in from uh, Birmingham. And, you know, he didn't go into game analysis like he normally did. He had some thoughts here. And uh, interesting. We're going to talk about this to wrap up the show. He said, it's nice to see the offense produced today, but this year's team feels different from last year's team. I feel as several players had something to prove last year. Some had injuries the previous season. Naylor, Bybee, Bieber, Savali, Plisak were looking to rebound after a rough season. Henches, Stefan, Jimenez, or we're trying to prove they belong as rookies, Quan and Oscar Gonzalez. Quantrill looking to prove his breakout year in 21 wasn't a fluke. Uh, Dr. Sticks, uh, McKenzie continuing his development. Feels like the magic hasn't been there this year. I thought Valleca was a big help last year, but now I'm not sure. That's why I'm disappointed Dolan didn't try to make any moves at last year's trade deadline. All right, and then he kind of continues on. Um, you know, I'll say about this... Uh, Last year, yeah, they did have something to prove, but this year, think about think about what's actually gone on this year, right? Your starting rotation was supposed to be Biber, Biber, Bieber. Wow, I'm getting confused between Bieber and Bybee. Bieber, Quantrill, Savali, Plesac, McKenzie. Right, that was supposed to be starting five. Four of those five guys kind of let you down. Savali's back. McKenzie's hurt again. Quantrill's hurt. Uh, Plesak's DFA had been outrighted to Columbus. Beaver's the only one left standing from what was supposed to be your opening day rotation. So, I mean, think about who's pitching now, right? You know, you've been relying on rookies that at this point in their development probably should be up here having spot starts, right? They should be the second starter on a doubleheader. We should be getting excited about them, not deep in analysis of them at this point in their careers. So those guys have really been forced into duty. And it does, it changes the vibe of a team when you go through that much uh, kind of turnover. And, you know, with the lineup, uh, they thought Josh Bell would add some power to the lineup. It just hasn't been there. And I'm not even talking about home runs. I'm just talking about hard hit balls. I'm just talking about power in general, extra base hits, RBIs. 
uh, Josh Naylor, and, you know, after he went through a stretch where it was rough and then has come on red hot. So he is pulling his weight in the middle of the lineup. And uh, unfortunately, still struggles against lefties. So you still have to figure out that situation. Um, but yeah, the offense just, you know, offenses click and offenses don't click. It's a very hard thing to blame on the hitting coach. If we had, if, if it was a change in approach, that's, I think, where, you know, you blame the hitting coach, where the approach of the plate was really what you were upset about. But I think we all agree that the Guardians' way of offense and the Guardians' way of hitting, while it is a difficult road, it, there, it, it is a path to success uh, for this team. We've seen them have success that style. So, I don't know, Marlon. I, I just think that it's so hard to compare two seasons. As so much changes even between what, you know, in less than 12, less than 12 months, right? I mean, in eight months from where the season ended to where we are now, uh, so much has changed as far as the roster goes, as far as where players are. Um, so it's really hard to compare between two seasons. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate your analysis of what last year's team, uh, you know, was going through in the mentality in the clubhouse versus uh, you know, things being different this year. Yeah. When you, when you actually win that division and you're trying to repeat, uh, it's a different attitude. Suddenly you're not surprising anybody. You're not this underdog story. Suddenly uh, people are chasing you. You have a target on your back. Uh, teams saying we're not going to let them do to us what they did last year. So it does change the mentality in the clubhouse a little bit. He's excited about the games coming up series against the A's brewers and Royals. He says Cleveland needs to go eight and one to get back on track. The guards are only two and a half games behind Minnesota. Uh, yeah, I mean, the AL Central is is still winnable. I, I don't think any of us are giving up. You're clearly not listening to this podcast if you've given up on the season. So uh, we'll see what we can do, Marlon. I, eight and one is a lot to ask for, but uh, we'll see what the Guardians are able to do. Now, remember, we got Monday off, uh, so we won't have a new episode until Wednesday morning. Uh, but yeah, we got a series against Oakland. Uh, Milwaukee, Kansas City, uh, Chicago Cubs. Uh, so yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting run to the All Star break here. We we could be very much back on top in the American League Central by the time we hit that All Star break with uh, multiple series against Kansas City coming up, a home and away in there before the All Star game. So uh, MVP on the day, we got to do MVP on a day and on a day like this where everybody's hitting. Uh, I'm going with Josh Naylor in the middle of the lineup. Uh, maybe he was just showing off for his younger brother, but four for five with three RBIs is a really good day. He had a great uh, one. I think his second hit was a line shot back up the middle and just where the camera angle is that center field camera in Arizona, the shot of the ball coming back up the middle off his bat. It felt like it was coming right into your living room. Uh, it's just a great hit on a great camera angle. So Naylor, I mean, continues to be, I believe I, I'm almost 99.9% sure he is the team leader in uh, RBIs. And one of the top, I believe he's a top first baseman as far as RBIs go in the American League. Uh, So Naylor, absolutely, yeah, 53 RBIs, uh, leading Ramirez at 43 and Bella 31. So uh, Naylor gets MVP on the day, continues to be just a force driving in runs in the middle of our lineup. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final, it's your guards 12, the D-backs 3. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. And thanks for joining me on this Cleveland 
baseball morning.